Hi, this is Jesse, and welcome to Red Cloaks Radio, where we are counting down to see if the Massachusetts legislature will or will not pass the Roe Act. We've got a really exciting guest today, and joining me as co-hosts are Martha from the Boston Red Cloaks. And also Karen from the Boston Red Cloaks. I would like to introduce Michelle Mullet. I met Michelle at the Indivisible Conference last December, and she attended the breakout session after the many workshops we'd been through. We went around the room and introduced ourselves. She stood up and with her voice alone, I had a whirl around and look at her and appreciate so much just her presence. I was really taken by her. And then her name started to float around in different circles. And suddenly here, here we are. Michelle is running for state rep in the 20th Middlesex. That includes the towns of Reading, North Reading, Linfield, Middleton. She's running against a 25-year uh, Republican incumbent. So welcome, Michelle. Thank you, Karen. First of all, we ask you, why are you running and why at this time? First of all, thank you, Boston Red Clicks, for having me on the show. Um, I'm a big fan of your activism. Um, you are proof positive that when you stand up and let your voice be heard, things can change and you can change laws. So thank you for having me on the show. My name is Michelle Mullet. I'm running to become the first female and the first Latina state representative for the 20th Middlesex District in Massachusetts. As Karen said, my opponent has been collecting dust in the state house for about 25 years, and it's time for him to go. So as we get into it, the biggest reasons why I'm running are number one, we can't afford to give away the power of a state house seat like that every two years. That's just unacceptable. We as progressives, we as women, we can't let that happen anymore. And we can't let these sleeper seats go. So that's number one, is that we need to have activists on the ballot, making these guys actually work for that seat. The next thing is that the Massachusetts State House is only about 20% women, even less women of color. I think it's like 8% women of color. So what happens is when you don't have women in these rooms making these decisions about your own body, um, your own health care, these guys don't have your best interests at heart. Uh, they don't have our values, and that's why we need women in office. So that's why I'm running. Very good. So I want to ask you, when and if elected, what would be your first three things to do? Right. So once I'm in office, I, I mean, right now it's really hard to say just given the current coronavirus crisis. But I would say all that aside, as far as like, let's assume school goes back to normal, um, we're not in the still dealing with that healthcare crisis if if it's just we're you know kind of get back on our feet for sure the top three issues for me would be in my district there's a big transportation issue out here as far as like it's a commuter suburb and the district changed it's gone from kind of a sleepy like upper middle class suburb to more of a working class commuter suburb and so in that way people as they move out here and raise families and grow the school system because there's more kids out here, the transportation issue becomes bigger because these are parents commuting into Boston. It could be seniors that don't have, you know, shuttle transportation to their doctor visit. So 
Transportation is a big issue out here. Kind of a bigger statewide urgency and crisis is the climate crisis. I know there are a few progressives in the state house right now that are working towards getting Massachusetts to 100% renewable energy by about 2045 or even more ambitious is 2035. So I'd like to continue that work and, and absolutely introduce new legislation that either builds up the infrastructure we have or kind of reinvents that and thinks in bolder terms of let's build up the electric car charging infrastructure, let's, you know, get new bullet trains in Boston. I mean, we have to be thinking in terms of when people from Japan come to Boston, they out loud are saying, wow, this is like going back in time on these trains. This is like a hundred years ago technology. So uh, transportation, um, the environment, and for sure continuing my work with both Planned Parenthood and Moms Demand Action. So that would be kind of a dual thing of, of course, being an advocate for women's health care, but also continuing to keep Massachusetts as one of the safest states in the nation because we have such strong gun laws and we have amazing activists as well as a, a very strong Attorney General, Maura Healy. So I'd like to continue that work as well. You brought up that there's 20% of women um, now in the state house and we do notice where people's priorities lie when we see what they do take action about and what they ignore. So the Roe Act has been sitting there since January 2019. The hearing was in June 2019. It's been in the Judiciary Committee with complete silence. As people who live in the state, we have no knowledge of what's going on behind closed doors. What are your views about the Roe Act? Why is it important to you? And what do you think about the process? Well, I mean, first of all, obviously, I support the Roe Act. I think what states and women advocates are trying to do right now is fortify our laws before something on a federal level comes down. And by doing that, that's where you need to really step up the rhetoric and the pressure on these legislators so that they know we're paying attention and we want that bodily autonomy and that agency. When we talk about abortion, we need to connect it to healthcare. And when we take the stigma out of it and make this about privacy and about agency and about bodily autonomy, then we get to the root cause of why women are still oppressed, right? We are all living under laws that were written by men mostly at this point. So it's our job to either get rid of those laws and put in more progressive women's rights laws or to go back in there and change the laws so that they are in in line with 21st century. I mean, the fact that it's the year 2020 and we as women are still asking for power over our own body and our own agency, um, we shouldn't be asking for that. We should be demanding it and we should be in those rooms making those decisions. So the Roe Act to me is, it's important as far as expanding access to abortion and then changing that kind of the worldview of it's always been framed as a choice or something but it should be more about privacy and about health care i don't know any laws that talk about men's internal organs and how they deal with those organs so i don't see the point really appreciate that point it's nice that you led with a course, obviously you support the Roe Act, but we do know that being a blue state, the fact that we don't see action on this legislation lets us know that 
not everybody in the Judiciary Committee is really supporting it. They're not really bringing it forward. And that some of the people even who sign on as co-sponsors, if it never comes to the floor for a vote, they can insulate themselves because they can either say, hey, I wouldn't have voted for it if it came up to try to please some of their electorate, or they can say, I was totally going to vote for that, but it never came up. So right. it's challenging when things don't come to the floor. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that because that was another point I, I almost forgot to make. But like you had um, my fellow candidate, Erica Eiderhoven, on recently, she's kind of a policy genius as far as just paying attention, knowing when people take votes, but even being able to call out the Massachusetts State House and its lack of transparency, that in itself is infuriating that we don't ever have a, a true roll call when these votes go through a committee. And that's something I, I've signed the transparency pledge. Many of my fellow progressive candidates have signed it. And that's definitely something that has to change because if these guys aren't held accountable and you don't know how they voted, I mean, they can vote however they want and then come out and tell you, oh yeah, I definitely supported you on that. It doesn't mean they actually did. So until we have that true transparency and follow through, um, we're, we're going to be stuck with just always guessing. And, and that's, you know, part of why, again, we need new leadership and, and new representatives and senators. Well, I have another question. I saw your Facebook video, and in there you talk about ideals, uh, your ideals and the movement. Can you uh, elaborate on that? Right. Well, I mean, one thing that I like to remind people is that I'm, Yes, I'm one person, I'm one person on the ballot, but I represent a, a bigger progressive movement. And by that, I mean that we are all realizing as activists that we can't do our work in silos and separate from each other until we come together and fortify, distill down what we want, whether it's for one legislation session or the next 10, 20 years, like to have that conversation and to be building coalitions and relationships, I feel like that's probably the most important thing. And so even though I'm running this year, I'm going to continue this work for the next 10, 20 years. This is about a, a movement building campaign. And so it's, we have to get out of this thought process that it's just every two years, oh, it's this one's really important, this one's not. They're all important, they all matter because we're thinking in really long terms. You said that you work for Planned Parenthood? Not like I did activist work. So, you know, like- Oh, activist work. So all, all these work that you do have to do with all your ideals. To be clear, like I've never worked like paid work for Moms and Man Action or Sierra Club. I mean, this is all organizing, community activism. Yeah, when I say work, it's like Ayanna Presley says, the work with the capital W. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, the un so, the unpaid um, work, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so more, more of a voluntary work, mm -hmm. you mean? Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, also, I wanted to ask you: Do you have a? Are you working in another government position, or would this be your first one? I've never held a political office. I have been on the board of trustees for the Flint Memorial Library here in North Reading um, for a couple of years. That was unpaid. Also, the last job I had, I was a solar consultant for Trinity Solar, helping people put solar panels on their houses. Would you share with us any meaningful moments that woke you up to progressivism, that woke you up to change? For example, you stated 
in your Facebook post that, that you support unions or union rights to that effect. Unions don't have a good reputation anymore. Uh, mm -hmm. They used to, they used to be the bread and butter, mm -hmm. but now they're looked at with some skepticism. At the very right, point. I mean, there's different kind of unions. I think to zoom out a little bit, unions to me are more of like the trades and especially in Massachusetts, also the teachers and nurses. I think unions are important to me because it's, it's one of the, as far as the trades, like carpentry, electrical work, those are one of the few careers that working class people can enter and have like a lifelong employment. So I feel like those are the most important things to support. There's a program called Build a Life in Massachusetts, um, which is all about getting women into the trades. And I think it's a wonderful program. It's absolutely so successful. And I just want to see more of that where it's, you not only have an idea of like, okay, so how do we get people out of a cycle of poverty? How do we get women more engaged in untraditional um, careers? And so that's where I'm coming from as far as unions. But I see your point, absolutely. There's, I mean, there's longshoremen and the corruption history of it. I, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not advocating for those guys. <laughs> um, you mentioned that your your father is or was a policeman. Is that in in Massachusetts or somewhere else? Oh no, actually, it was my mom. Um, so there, there's a personal story there. I don't know if you have time for that. Yes, you do. Okay, so I grew up in South Texas in San Antonio, Texas. Um, Growing up, my parents were teenagers and they struggled. My dad was an electrician in the Navy and my mom was a stay-at-home mom. Um, we lived an okay life and then uh, he killed himself in a drunk driving accident in 1985. So I was very young and because my mom wasn't working, she had to move back in with my grandparents. So that was a big struggle for a long time until she got accepted to the police academy. And I saw the power of a union job. We went from, you know, struggling with food and the ish, does she have a car this month to like, she's buying a house. I can go to a, a Catholic school that she wanted me to go to. So I think the power of a union job turns people's lives around and it can grow exponentially. I mean, so that's where I'm coming from is that personally that job saved our lives, so. I'm grateful for that. That's a, nice, that's a really nice story and a nice presentation about your mom. You've talked about changes in your community. I'm wondering how the unions are impacted. Do you have more people now who are in union jobs? Do you have people who are feeling like they are being ignored by the current representative? Do you've got someone who you're running against who's been there a long time? What I am looking to do is just be mindful that for people in my district that they have, they know I'm someone that's always going to be bringing opportunities to the district so that they know things like build a life mass are out there. Um, I feel like that's important. And that's part of why I wanted to run is that throughout my life, I'm just someone that likes to connect people to resources, whether it's an artist friend that I see this amazing artist residency in Maine that they're perfect for, or, you know, an elderly person like, oh, you didn't know you could get these meals delivered or, you know, whatever it is. Like, I like being that person and making that connection. 
So many people don't know how to get resources Mm. in our state. They really don't. They struggle, whether it's they're just unfamiliar with civics, they don't know how the government works, it's not taught in school anyway, Mm -hmm. or they moved here from someplace else and they don't know how to get started. So those kinds of skills are critically needed right now. Martha, Mm -hmm. you had a question. Yes, as you were saying, those um, that is needed. And since you said you were, uh, you grew up in San Antonio, how long have you been in Massachusetts? So North Reading, probably seven going on eight years. I've been in New England for over 10 years. I moved up here from Texas after I met my husband. Um, He got into law school up here in New England, and then that turned into a career. So we've been up here ever since. You said you would be the first Latinx person from your district to serve. Is that right? Yes. Um, I called Secretary of State's office, and there's never been a woman in this job, or and most certainly not a Latina. So <laughs> it's time. <laughs> yeah. it's yes, we have to be everywhere. <laughs> yeah, you got to bring some spice to the state house. I mean. <laughs> It's pretty boring otherwise. <laughs> yeah, and if you're not in the room where it happens, then those all the voices get left out. We heard from someone that there's more people in the state house named Mike than there are women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I believe that. <laughs> I think it's funny, but like not funny. It's just it's. Yeah. By the way, can you just share with everyone who's listening where they can find out more? Before I forget that, my website is my name michellemullet.com. On Facebook, it's at Michelle Mullet 2020. And on Twitter, it's at Vote for Mullet. Great. What are your thoughts about where you're fitting in in the national landscape right now? Because Massachusetts has a reputation as being so blue. And yet, when we look at, say, the laws on the books right now, the Roe Act was written in 1974, right after Roe versus Wade was decided. The legislature was predominantly white male people who just were appalled by the decision in Roe versus Wade. And here you are as one of other women who are also stepping up and saying, I'm going to run. Right. I think as I've gotten, you know, into the campaign and gotten more into politics, one thing you realize just unique to Massachusetts is that just because you have a D next to your name doesn't mean you vote that way. And it's definitely not true that you have progressive values. And the same is true for Republicans. There's a Republican senator in my district He always votes with Democrats. He might as well be a Democrat. So that's something to consider is that just because someone runs as a Democrat doesn't mean they hold those values and always want to vote or or will vote the same way. That, once again, is up to nonprofits and activists to pay attention and see how they vote when you can see how they vote, right? That's part of why it's important for me to run. I feel like the more progressives that get into that office, they're going to start changing the infrastructure, and that's what we need the most, because in that infrastructure is the patriarchy, the misogyny, and until we dismantle it brick by brick, election by election, it's just going to continue and perpetuate. I liked your slogan in the other video, and the one I liked is, choose your fighter. Is that a slogan for you, or was it just something that came to you at that moment? No, it's actually my slogan. It was something more benign when I was first starting out, which was like, use your voice, something like that. But choose your fighter. The more I see this guy around and he's just, it's the weakness and complacency and the laziness of being in office for 25 years that I want to point out to people. Who do you want fighting for you in that state house seat? The guy that's comfortable, that doesn't really pick up the phone and he's done this for so long. He doesn't have a vision for the future. He's too busy thinking about the past. 
So that's why I chose that. In addition to before the gyms closed down, I was going to a boxing gym like five times a week. <laughs> I'm like a professional on the speed bag. So <laughs> <laughs> if you look at old videos, there's probably some videos on my Facebook of putting the speed bag. <laughs> Do you have one now in your home? No. No, no I wish. <laughs> Maybe that's the first well, thing you do when you're office. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome. Oh, I'll just give it a whack. <laughs> well, we definitely know that we need fighters. We need champions. We need people who will do more than just say that they care. We need people who will put in the actual work that it takes to move us forward in Massachusetts. We are excited to meet you, and we would love to follow your progress all the way to Election Day and to a big victory party. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, everyone. And I look forward to working with you when I'm in the state house. Absolutely. Thank you, Michelle. And I hope to see one Latina in the house. Vamos. Sí, vamos. Ya, rápido. Thanks so much, Michelle. You're the real thing. <laughs>